Good afternoon. It is a new day and a new week and a new year. Happy New Year to all of you. This is Bill Allen coming to you live if you're watching live at 3 p.m. Central Time on a Tuesday afternoon, <clears throat> January the 2nd. Happy New Year to you all. I pray and uh, that God would bless you throughout this year and always and glad to have you joining in on our Facebook studies. We've been doing these since COVID hit and uh, going to continue that tradition. This year, I'm going to be using throughout 2024 a resource called the Daily Bible in Chronological Order. <clears throat> it is edited and compiled by F. Lagarde Smith, who is a wonderful scholar and theologian and writer uh, in the Churches of Christ. And he is uh, put this together. It's very, very popular. The best daily Bible readings tool I have ever come across in 45 or 6 years of, of full-time ministry. And uh, and so we're going to be using that. You don't have to have one. You, I, I would recommend it. And I like to read it on Kindle because that way I can read it anytime, anywhere, and I don't have to carry the Bible around. Uh, but sometimes that is a little bit awkward. But uh, glad uh, to do it however you want. Uh, those are uh, wonderful to do. And it's a, uh, it's a great opportunity to read through the Bible uh, in a year. If you've never done that, if you've done it before, either way, this 2024, that would be a great goal. Uh, typically, if you, whatever plan you're using, if you uh, read three to four chapters a day, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year. <clears throat> uh, the daily Bible in chronological order is different. It, is, it does start in Genesis and ends in Revelation. Uh, but in between, it gets a little uh, different sometimes because it's based on uh, when uh, scriptures were written or when things were happening. For example, in the Gospels, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talking about the same uh, two to three years, uh, actually the same years of Jesus' lifetime starting uh, with his birth, actually, John starts even earlier than Genesis does. Genesis starts in the beginning, as you know. John starts um, even before that, uh, because before the creation, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's Genesis 1.1. John 1.1 is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about the time that God existed before even creation occurred. Um, <clears throat> and so that's uh, interesting, uh, of course, as you go through the book of Acts, you read some of the letters that Paul wrote and others wrote at that particular time while Paul was on his mission journeys, for example. That's helpful. I think I enjoy that, especially when you read through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, the historical books uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, there's some repetition, especially in Kings and Chronicles, and uh, and so that's uh, uh, done in a great way by um, uh, by Dr. Smith. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the book, about the Daily Bible, and I, I, I would show you one, but I'm all out. <laughs> so uh, I've, uh, we've uh, sold about 13 uh, Bibles uh, this year. I've sold more in the past. Don't make any money off of those. The church buys them, and then folks pay us what uh, we bought them for. But you can get the Daily Bible in Chronological Order by F. Lagarde Smith. There's lots of Daily Bibles out there, lots of 
chronological Bible studies out there, but this one is the Daily Bible in Chronological Order compiled by F. Lagarde Smith. And uh, you can get it uh, or order it at all your favorite spots. Uh, you may have to order it because they may be out. I looked at Barnes & Noble today and Mardell and uh, called each of them and they don't have any of those right now here in Tyler. But you can order them, uh, christianbooks.com. Um, of course, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all of those are great opportunities to, you'll find this. This is a very popular book. Um, and so the way he does it is he has a shaded portion in each chapter in, in each uh, day's reading where he gives a little brief commentary or just the historical setting. He really doesn't add much comments at all. In fact, most days there's none. Uh, they just go right into the, the chapters. But uh, he also gives a little bit of background on dates and things like that. One of the interesting things about the Daily Bible is that he takes the genealogical record that is found in uh, uh, Genesis and he uses it to go back uh, from Noah to Abraham uh, to Adam and Eve. And of course, we're not sure that those are complete genealogical records, probably not. And he uh, admits that and he says this is something that may or may not be uh, accurate as far as the list. The Jews never were concerned about putting everybody in there. They wanted to put enough in there so that it would establish the credibility of the genealogical line. Very important for Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, uh, tracing Jesus' uh, genealogical record as well as Luke in Luke chapter 3. Um, but uh, And so he's, he admits that. And of course, we don't know how long the days were. Uh, at the very beginning, I think they were 24-hour days. That's just my view. Um, we don't know uh, how long it was between Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 1-3, where he begins creation. You know, we, don't, we don't know uh, how long a time existed between the time that there was the beginning and then the time he started. So all of that to say um, what he does do, though, is really interesting because he takes that time of, of uh, creation and then he takes the genealogical record, how many years each man lived that's listed, how many, how old they were when they had their son that's listed. And he traces the timeline of AC after creation. So instead of BC before Christ or BCE before the current era, it is AC for a while after creation. So you have, um, you have different ones living a certain amount of time. And, um, and, and so the flood, according to that genealogical record, this might interest you, was 1656 years after creation. Again, is that exact? Well, I don't know, probably not. Uh, there could have been some additions in there that weren't included, but uh, we don't know. And, uh, and so it is just kind of interesting to put that all together and, and to see, uh, to make some things concerning that. Uh, again, he, uh, he lists different uh, historical settings when later on, around the time of Abraham, when you can get some BC dates there with some credibility, then he begins to use that measure. And I think that's especially good. The New Testament doesn't come along until mid-October. <laughs> so if, the, if you've always wanted to read through the Old Testament, this is your chance. It's a great opportunity. And then in mid-October, we turn 
uh, to the Gospels and the New Testament. One of my favorite sections of the Daily Bible in chronological order is the time between the Old and New Testament. He does a great job summarizing those 400 years or so when a lot was going on. Uh, the Jews were divided into different sects, S-E-C-T-S, uh, such as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he gives a little bit of a history about that. Uh, lots of historical things were happening in the world during that time. Uh, you kind of leave the Bible in the Medo-Persian era or so, and then uh, you have Alexander the Great that comes along in the 300s. You have the Romans that begin to come along. You have the um, the uh, Maccabean revolt that uh, the apocryphal literature of the Jews uh, tells us about and um, lots of history there and he gives a wonderful summary in t two or three days of readings about that and I think that's very helpful and very very uh, instructive um, and so all of that uh, and uh, we continue again it's chronological order so It'll be Genesis and then Exodus, but once you get to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there is some repetition there with some of the law. And so the way he does it is he puts in bold print, for example, Deuteronomy 3, 5 or something. He puts in bold print the verse that he's actually using, but then he puts in lighter print some of the other parallel passages. That's very important, especially when you get to the Gospels where there is a special amount of repetition. Um, and I always say, if you get behind in your daily Bible reading, read today's reading first. If you haven't started yet, then you're only two, one day behind, so you could start it in Genesis 1, verse 1, and then start on and go, or January 1st, and read from January 1st to January 2nd. Uh, but it's a very important that you read today's reading first, and that way you don't get further behind. And then when you have time and can catch up, then do it. Uh, then do it, but read today's reading uh, first and then catch up. A little bit about my plan. Um, I'm going to do a week-by-week -week study. We have these Facebook studies on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but there's seven days of reading in a week, and that's roughly 20 or so chapters or more. So that means, of course, I'm not going verse by verse in any of this. I'll try to summarize the week's readings during that week, that Tuesday and Thursday session. Uh, will be a summary or highlighting uh, some of the things that go on that particular week. It won't always be summary. Sometimes I'll just focus on a specific thing and we'll talk about that. Uh, today, of course, the special, uh, the subject of uh, creation. <clears throat> um, so that's, that's where we are. That's what's going on. I hope that if you can get a copy of that or if you have a copy that you'll get it out and use it and that you'll follow along. It's a very, very helpful study. And whatever, whatever way you do it, then do it. I love the, the, um, the old question, what's the best version to use, Bill? And the, most of the people here at West Irwin have heard me uh, answer that question. Others where I've been have heard me answer that question. Uh, you know, they all have their pluses if it's a reliable translation. For example, the King James Version, the New International Version, New Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version, all of those, and the New King James, all of those are reliable translations. Something like the message is more of a commentary, more of a, a, a person, uh, Eugene Peterson in this case, uh, looking at the Bible and writing out what he would, how he would translate it based on what he thinks it means, which is very helpful and uh, can help you to understand it, but it's not 
a literal translation from the Greek text, for example, in the New Testament, Hebrew, mostly Hebrew, and a little bit of Aramaic from the Old Testament. So if it's a reliable translation, then that means it's got its flaws, but that also means that it can be used in a very reliable way. I think the best thing to do, unless you're really good at the biblical languages, is to read a couple of different versions. I love to use the newest tr version of the New International uh, Version, the NIV, the translation from 2011. It's very reliable. Yes, it has its issues, but uh, you look, compare it with something like the English Standard Version, which is a much more literal translation, uh, then you, it helps you to understand what that might be saying. And I think that's very, very uh, important. <clears throat> well, I had a man one time who was actually a mover. Uh, one of the times, many times that Joyce and I were moving, uh, not necessarily out of town, just from one house to another in that particular city. We were in Arlington 20 years. I can't remember how many houses we lived in, five or six during that time. Uh, we've lived in three uh, since we've been here in Tyler. Uh, rented a house month to month and then bought a house and then sold it and bought where we are right now. Uh, but uh, that's been eight and a half years now. So um, one of those times when we were moving, uh, the movers were there and we, I, we were talking to them. And as soon as people find out that I'm a preacher, then you know it's on. <laughs> and so he said, well, he said, you know, whenever I come up to a preacher or get introduced to a preacher, I always have a question to ask them. I said, okay, bring it. Let's hear it. And he said, what is the most important verse in the Bible? And I thought, oh, great, man, don't pin me down on this. So I gave him a few, really more of a few of my favorites than ones that were the most important. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Of course, the 23rd Psalm. Um, Sermon on the Mount, one of my favorite passages, lots of great verses there, including the Golden Rule. Uh, Romans 8, love, that's my favorite chapter, starts out, there is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Great, great statement of faith. The ending of Romans 8 is powerful. Uh, and a couple of others that I was thinking of, including the one that he said. So I asked him, I said, well, what's yours? And he said, mine is Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I said, well, that's, I, that was one of the ones I thought about, um, along with John 3.16 and all the others. Uh, what's your reasoning behind that? He said, well, he said, you know, if Genesis 1 verse 1 isn't true, none of the rest of it that comes afterwards that matters. And I got to say, I think he was on to something. Because if you reject God as creator, then this book, this Bible, is really nothing more than another book on your shelf that may have some helpful things in it, um, but is not authoritative at all. And so it, it, you know, I think when you get to the New Testament and you get to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the whole gospel, that is the gospel, I believe, uh, everything stands or falls on whether or not Jesus actually died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, if there isn't any resurrection, then everything we're doing is vain. We're wasting our time. We're to be pitied above all people. It says that exact thing. If there is no resurrection, and I agree. As Christians, we believe there is a resurrection. We believe the tomb is empty. We believe that 
when Jesus, the innocent Son of God, died on that cross and his blood was shed, that blood covers our sins if we turn to him in, through the response of faith. Uh, and, and I think that that is, um, that's, that's the significant core gospel. And so you look at that verse, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and you realize if that's not true, then nothing else afterwards matters. It doesn't really matter what else it says. Um, and that's why it's important for us to, uh, to, to consider that and to think about that uh, creation. So, you know, you look at all the, the different things about the creation. The first two chapters of Genesis really focus on the creation. Chapter 1 is the big uh, helicopter view. And then chapter 2 zooms in on the creation of humanity. And, so, and then chapter 3 is the fall of mankind, the fall of humanity when Adam and Eve ascend in the Garden of Eden. But let's talk about creation first of all. Day 1, uh, God spoke the world into existence. Uh, the first three verses of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke the world into existence. Um, and that was that's something that's very important as far as how God uh, did that. On day one, he created light. Uh, he created the heaven and earth, and then he said, let there be light. Day two, he separated the waters. It's kind of confusing, but I think it's talking about the, the sky and atmosphere above, and then everything that's here on the earth, uh, the oceans. And day three, he separated the land. And so the dry land appears, and you have vegetation on that land. Day four, if you remember the old song from your childhood VBS days, day four, day four, sun and moon and stars galore. That's really the only verse I remember, I think, but I do remember that one. On day four, the sun and the moon and the stars uh, were created. And you ask, well, if how could there be days if the sun and moon weren't even around until the fourth day? Well, if God can speak the world and the universe into existence, he can handle that part too. Uh, some have said that's an indication that maybe there weren't 24-hour days before that time. Um, those days have been described as epochs or times, time frames. I, I don't know. Again, I, I think as Moses records all of this stuff through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I think it's probably 24-hour days. Uh, day five, fish and fowl made alive. That may be that verse. And so God creates the fish. Um, in the seas and the oceans and the birds in the air, uh, sea creatures and birds. And then on day six, he creates the land animals and humanity. Um, and this is what he says about that in verse 26 of chapter 1. Let, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then later on at the end of Genesis 1, throughout each day, it says that God saw what he had created and it was good. But at the end of the sixth day, uh, God saw it and he said it was very good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Not that he needed to rest, but that we needed uh, that example 
even from the Lord God himself, uh, of spending a specific time in rest and in worship renewal um, and praising him, as we'll see in later uh, uh, things that are said. Um, you know, we go back to creation and... Um, uh, the Bible never answers the question of when. When did this take place? How long did it take other than a day? <laughs> Six days? Uh, lots of questions about that. Um, you know, people say, well, how, Bill, but the, the scientists say the, the earth is, the universe, billions and billions of years old. How could that be? That's, the Bible doesn't seem to go back that far. And granted, the Bible doesn't seem to go back that far. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to let the scientists and the geologists uh, tell me some of that stuff. Apologeticspress.org. Apologeticspress.org is a great resource uh, for those kinds of things. Um, and uh, um, I may mention a, a couple of others, the books by uh, Josh McDowell and his son Sean McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict the original and the revised version. Sean McDowell has a great website. Lee Strobel has shared some things about the existence of God, uh, the case for Christ, for example, the case for creation, all of those. And, you know, when you think about it, um, you think about the, the creation. Okay, so let's just talk about the creation of mankind, Adam and Eve. God creates Adam and Eve on the sixth day. So let's say that a scientist comes to them while God is resting on the seventh day. He says, I, I, let me make some, let me do some tests to see how old you are. And I don't know, I would figure that Adam and Eve were created at a perfect age, uh, perhaps in their, you know, 20s maybe, 35, I don't know, 45, whatever the perfect age of an adult male would be. That's when, that's what God created them. No indication he created infants without any way of helping them to survive. And, uh, and God intended them to live forever in the Garden of Eden. And that's when we get to Genesis 3 and eating the forbidden fruit, even though God had said, in that day that you eat of it, you'll die. And Satan lying, saying, no, you will not surely die. You'll just be like God. And he doesn't want that. And so they decided to go ahead and eat it, and they did. And when they did, they received that uh, punishment. There are consequences to our sins. Well, as we think about Adam and Eve on that seventh day, they had been created the day before. The scientist runs all the tests, and he comes up and he says, well, you guys are 35 years old. But how old were they exactly? Well, they were one day old, exactly. But they appeared to be 35 days old, 35 years old. Why? Because God created them as, as adults. I don't see any reason why God can't create the earth, for example, or the universe to appear to have done through all those things that science says happened to make it to get to, to where we are now. And I don't know if they're right. I, it doesn't matter to me because all scripture says is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And again, that verse is one of great significance and importance. Uh, however he did it, God did it. However long it took, God did it. Uh, that's, that's what faith says. And those who refuse to accept uh, the creation uh, it, from uh, the Almighty God, uh, an incredible um, eternal designer and creator, then you have to ask the question, okay, then where did we come from? How do we do that? Well, 
there has to be a time you go back far enough and there was a time when nothing existed and then all of a sudden something did okay what what created that what created that keep going back keep going back keep coming back and it contradicts the laws of science to say that something came from nothing I get that and that's why science has no explanation for where the creation of the earth came from where we came from and that's what we accept by faith we say there was an eternal God an all-powerful creator who out of love and a desire to be in relationship created all of this and uh, created humanity man and woman Adam and Eve and he told them I want you to be fruitful and multiply and I want you to uh, uh, raise up your families to remember the one who made us the Creator and to be in relationship with him uh, I I think that's as reasonable an explanation as I've ever heard and there's all kinds of credible testimony to the Word of God and the inspiration and authority and veracity the truthfulness of the scriptures I think that's true in Genesis chapter 2 again he zooms in on humanity and he wants to create someone to be Adam's partner his helper his uh, equal uh, in this world different tasks different gifts uh, different biology um, but both and made in the image of God and he parades all the animals in front of him can't find one and so in verse 21 of Genesis 2 the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man the man said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh no matter what our current culture says it's male and female and no matter what our current culture says marriage and sex is between male and female everything in scripture points to that scripture throughout condemns uh, homosexuality it condemns anything that is contrary to what this word says you say well Jesus never said anything about that oh but he did oh but he did Matthew 5 and Matthew 19 especially in other places also though he goes back to this account of creation and he says look this is God's vision one man one woman for life when they tried to corner him and talk to him about uh, different scenarios of, of, uh, of the uh, political viewpoints of their day and this is what Jesus said and he goes back to this point and 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 so do I so do I and God made us all differently I get that some of us have different uh, desires different temptations I get that I get that but just because we have a desire or a temptation doesn't mean that it's from God Eve saw that that fruit whatever it was may have been an apple may have not but it was the fruit um, she saw that it was desirous to have and to make one wise just as Satan had said and so she ate and she gave it to her husband and he ate and he's fully responsible and and it was a sinful act before God and they were cast out of the garden because of that same is true today not everybody's tempted to lie some are maybe it's a personality thing maybe it's a 
body chemistry thing. I don't know. But some say, I would never lie. And others find themselves more than willing to say a lie if they think it'll make their life easier at the moment. But that doesn't mean that they're justified in lying. It simply means that they're tempted to lie. For us, there are people who we realize have a same-sex attraction, and that's a temptation. Um, but it's not one that they have to observe. It's not something that they have to fulfill. It's not something that they have to act on. Um, we're all uh, tempted in various ways. Not all of us are tempted in the same ways, but we're all tempted. And being tempted is not sinful. It's not a sin. It's a, it means that you're human. Jesus Christ, the book of Hebrews tells us, was tempted even himself, yet he never sinned. I think God made us all differently. I get that. I acknowledge that. That's certainly true. And we each have our temptations and we each have our difficulties and some of us have desires that others don't share. But if they're contrary to the word of God, then it's called sin. And that's why God created the church so that we could help each other and keep each other strong and encourage each other and pray for each other and, and seek God's forgiveness in prayer uh, when we sin. Um, if you acknowledge that the Bible is the word of God, if you acknowledge that God is the creator, and I believe you have to acknowledge that he created humanity and that he created the male and female and that he instituted um, marriage. And it's something that I hold very sacred because Jesus held it very sacred. And it's created by God. Why well, believe in God at all, Bill? You might ask. Well, look around. <laughs> look around. The psalmist will write, the heavens declare the glory of God. The, the firmament shows his handiwork every day. Their speech is given. Every day their language and their testimony is heard. If it's not God, then where did this all come from? And if there is no moral God, how do we have a sense of morality in each individual? And granted, some, some stretch that a bit, and that's wrong. But still, there's no other part of creation that has the moral value that humanity does, and, and why? I mean, if there is no God, then Darwin is right. Survival of the fittest. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the strongest, the biggest wins. There's no other values. But we do have other values. And there are some things that are right and wrong. And we get that from a moral perspective. And if that's the case, and where in the world did that come from? I think it can only come from a moral God. You have a God who has a, uh, is a, a holy God, a merciful God, a just God, a very powerful God who spoke the world into existence and created us and gave us his word uh, because that's the best way for us to live. And that's the way we live to glorify him. So we've gotten through creation. We've gotten through humanity. We've gotten through the fall of mankind in Genesis 3. And, uh, and so starting on uh, Thursday, we'll go from there and we'll talk about uh, uh, Adam and Eve's children. Cain and Abel and uh, their son Seth that came after Cain killed his brother Abel. It's interesting that it's only one generation uh, before there's a murder. And it's a man who murders his brother out of jealousy and spite and envy. Um, humanity hasn't changed much, have we? We need a Savior. They needed it then. We need it now. That Savior is Jesus Christ, my friend. I hope and pray that you have given your life to Christ, that you have confessed faith in him, that you have uh, repented of your sin, changed, 
said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be imperfect, but I, wanna, I want to do things your way, God. I want to be faithful. And then been baptized into Jesus Christ, as Scripture says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2 says, uh, Romans 6 says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? For don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's what baptism does. It, yes, it allows the blood of Christ. It's centered in Jesus. If, he's, if he didn't die on that cross, if the tomb is not empty, then you can be baptized every single day and it doesn't matter. But God did create the heavens and the earth. Jesus did die on the cross for our sins. And that tomb is empty. And so because of that, uh, we can be baptized into Christ and be raised to live a new life, a forgiven life, a life with purpose, a life with mission, a life with a desire to please the Creator who made us so long ago. I look forward to this year of study. Feel free to, um, to contact me if you have any questions as we go. Can Facebook me, message me, uh, text me, whatever. <laughs> That'd be great. Email me, and uh, would love to interact with you. But for now, uh, let's pause for a moment in prayer and ask God's blessing on this year of study through the, His Holy Word, uh, the Bible. Father, we are grateful for all of our blessings. But today, Father, in a special way, we're grateful for Your Word that reveals You, that reveals Your plan, that reveals our sin uh, that reveals our Savior and for Jesus Christ we praise you and we're thankful Lord Jesus and we are grateful for the Holy Spirit that lives within us that brought us this inspired word and will lead us through our lives until our lives end or until uh, your son returns Father we pray that you would bless us as we interact with your word each day each week in 2024. Bless our nation, bless our world, bless our families, bless our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look forward to seeing you again on Thursday, and I pray God's greatest blessings on you this year.